Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com Greetings, Grapple fans. Welcome along to what we believe to be episode 94 of the Pro Wrestling Index. Um, there, there, well, there might be some discussions over that, but we will uh, we, we will make absolutely certain of what episode we're up to, uh, and then we can have a bit of a celebration come 100. But we believe this is episode 94 anyway, so we're nearly there. We're nearly there, folks. Um, well... WrestleMania, it's done and dusted now. It's all out the way. It's it's in the rearview mirror, um, if you like all them uh, road al- analogies that the WWE believe in so much. Uh, and it's time to step forward. A new era is dawning. We've just had the superstar shakeup, so everything is changing around. So we're into that new season. We've got new rosters, new matchups. New feuds, new people to be buried, <laughs> new people to be squashed and badly treated, um, and all the rest of that anyway. So, so much to talk about, and, well, who else to bring in on it? But my, uh, my, my, both my audio tag team partners, it should be now, because we are effectively the audio new day. Uh, in more Chatra and Guy Drinkle, good evening, gentlemen. Oh, then, Andrew. Are there? So that's it. Yeah, we are now a three-man gang. Um, I I guess we have to be careful where that goes. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, look, lots to talk about. Um, Some interesting developments, um, potentially exciting new matchups, some questionable decisions, some where we're kind of, um, okay, what the hell? Uh, all lots and lots there to talk about from Raw and SmackDown for the picks and um, what it might mean. We'll go through all of that. But before we start uh, picking the bones out of that one, uh, we're going to start off with a bit of sad news, actually, because um, today, as we record this, uh, the news has come out, uh, sadly, that uh, Bruno San Martino, uh, a WWE Hall of Famer, former 
uh, world well, at the time WWF uh, champion uh, for 11 years. It was a record. So throughout the the 60s and 70s, um, one of the, one of the biggest names in the industry. I know he was a very very influential name. Um, and, and hell of a career, um, a very, well, very well-respected man. Um, he's passed away today at the age of, of 82. So, uh, Mo, I'll let you speak on uh, on Bruno San Martino and his uh, very sad passing. Yeah, so um, a very sad day in the industry. Um, you know, Bruno San Martino, um, without any question, one of the all-time legends of the wrestling business um just a fascinating individual great great human being and one of the biggest draws in the history of um what is now known as the wwe um fascinating story to san martino he uh, grew up in italy um in a region called abruzzo and uh lived there as a child during the second world war and, um, you know, had one or two, um, cliches when it came to Nazis, um, in Italy. Um, and, uh, he survived through that. And, um, you know, in, in, uh, I think it was the early 50, maybe around 1950 or so, he, um, emigrated to the US, um, with his mother and siblings and, um, made a life for himself in uh, the United States, came to uh, the United States without even being able to speak any English. Um, Imagine that in this day and age, uh, somebody (laughs) emigrating into the US without being able to speak English. But uh, he came there as as an immigrant and um, arrived there as a teenager, uh, was picked on, was bullied, um, responded to that by hitting the gym and taking on weight training and um, you know, that led to an obsession with weight training and he became legitimately one of the strongest men in the world. Uh, certainly when it came to the bench press, I think he set a world record in the 50s um, whilst in his 20s. And he was noticed in a gym um, by um, somebody involved in the wrestling business and encouraged him to get into pro wrestling. And he did. And in fact, made his debut in um, his native Pittsburgh in 1959, and you know, only about three and a half years later, had become the WWF um, heavyweight champion, uh, which was Vince McMahon Senior's um, new fledgling promotion, replacing the old Capital Sports that um, he and his father had um, between them been involved in, going back in terms of boxing and things like that right back to the 1920s and San Martino became the biggest star in the WWF um, for a long long time um, his first title reign was best part of eight years right through till 71 when he um, lost very famously to Ivan Koloff um, retained the title uh, sorry regained the title in uh, I think it was around 73 and um, held it for about four more years before um dropping it uh for a second and last time um quite amazing in by today's um context for him to have held that belt for so long um you know he he was somebody who transcended pro wrestling as well um in, in the 60s very popular with celebrities 
Um, it was the height of the Italian mafia um, in terms of the power and influence um, in the US and uh, notable um, mob figures, very heavyweight mob figures in some of the big cities such as Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Chicago, New York would align themselves with this guy. Um, he wasn't somebody who necessarily sought their attention or wanted to be friends with them or become an associate with them. But, um, you know, that they, they loved him so much that whenever he was in town, they just flocked to see him and hang out with him and, you know, um, treated him like royalty, took him out to restaurants and you name it, anything he wanted, you know, he, he, he was given. Um, and, you know, also very popular with celebrities and, Sports stars as well, growing up, most notably uh, Mike Tyson. Um, Tyson was a huge San Martino fan growing up in 70s New York. And um, a lot of other famous actors and you know, musicians who grew up in New York in the 60s and 70s. Fun memories of San Martino. So somebody who certainly transcended the business um, and was very, very important in establishing the New York Territory as um, one of the strongest in the United States. And really that set the platform for Vince Jr. to then um, go national initially um, in the early 80s when he um, took over the company from his father. So San Martino's influence on the business and his importance to the business um, cannot be underestimated. The WWE that we now that we know today um, would not be what it is without him quite frankly um that's the level of impact that he had um you know he, he was a huge draw in new york massive attraction in madison square garden numerous sellouts um of that venue which obviously is the most famous arena in the world and um you know synonymous with madison square garden new york pittsburgh and uh the tributes have been flooding in and uh, will con continue to do so in the coming days. So a big loss to the wrestling business, um, a great guy and, and somebody who, you know, um, I, I never met or spoke to, but um, was just somebody who seemed like an amazing person. I listened to many of his interviews with um, Dave Meltzer on Wrestling Observer Radio over the last uh, 10 or 12 years. And, um, just so well-spoken, articulate, erudite, um, had so much to say in a very eloquent manner, um, just a consummate professional and spoke with so much respect and humbleness and uh, just a very special person. So a sad loss for the industry. Yes, the, uh, yeah, absolutely. The, the wrestling industry buds, uh, buds a, a sad farewell to, uh, to one of its greats, uh, Bruno San Martino at the age of 82. Uh, well, we're going to move on to uh, things a little brighter now um the superstar shake-up now i think the way we'll do this is we'll we'll start with raw and all all the names that have moved uh, across to raw and uh, and the call-ups uh, that have inevitably happened as well so i guess we'll start off guy uh, i'll bring you in this uh, onto this one first uh, raw opens with jinder mahal and I have to say, guy, my my immediate thoughts were SmackDown just got better. It did. <laughs> it bloody <laughs> well did. Um, the far, the more distance between Randy Orton and Jinder Mahal, the better. 
Um, I don't ever want to see them two have a feud again. Um, that's basically it, really. All, all the more sweeter is that he lost the United States Championship <laughs> and um, obviously dropped it to Jeff, who later moved to SmackDown, which I think most people probably would have guessed. Um, well, I've got to say, actually, I thought that was a little bit of a swerve because I, yeah, I, I thought, yeah, that, oh, I guess the Intercontinental title and Rollins is going to SmackDown, so... Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, as we later found out on SmackDown, yeah, okay, they they swerved us a little bit on that one, so they, fair play to fair, them. Yeah, fair. I mean, it had two, it had two of them options. One of the mid cards was definitely going back to SmackDown, but I kind of had a little feeling that we're going to put Jeff on SmackDown because I think they want to keep Jeff away from Matt at the minute because I don't think they want him going full brother Nero. So if, that that was my guess anyway. So I think they were just trying to keep them separate and let this new Bray Wyatt tag team um, kind of breathe into its own a little bit. So I, I think it I think it makes sense for both. But well, Jinder Mahal I don't really care about. I think I think on Raw he'll really suffer because this, even though we'll probably talk about the overall draft later, but I think SmackDown got some big hitters in this draft. Raw still has such a massive group of talent. Added by, I know Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, similarish type of characters, uh, or similarish heels, I should say. Um, he's he's going to get lost in the pack on Raw so much more than he would on SmackDown. But Smack, if we if we're comparing Jeff Hardy and Jinder Mahal, SmackDown's won massively. And I, I know you probably feel the same, Andy, and you're not a big fan of Jeff Hardy, are you? <laughs> no, I I'm, I must admit I'm I'm not the the biggest fan of Jeff Hardy. At, uh... I think he's actually fairly limited beyond all the um, the Ferrari. They were really good as a tag team, but his, his singles, yeah, I've never been a, a massive one. Um, more so, you know, Jinder Mahal, and as we went on shortly afterwards, so uh, found out Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn moved across to to Raw as well. Um, I've I've got to say, and the part of that obviously was the announcement that the Miz would be going to SmackDown. I think a lot of us suspected the Miz would go across there naturally, and then they can have that feud with Daniel Bryan, which I'm sure will play out really well. I've got to say as well, the I was given hope by Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn moving to Raw because it gives me hope that maybe, just maybe, they might get booked a little better. Yeah, well, they couldn't have been booked any worse on um, you know, the way things went on SmackDown the last few months. I mean, the whole storyline uh, just did nothing for either individual. Um, now, think back to how hot Kevin Owens was, um, you know, even to when he debuted on the main roster three years back. Um, you know, he was having these fantastic matches with John Cena straight up, you know, right out of the blocks. And... Um, Know, really built up a big following straight away. Where and um, you know that 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 was great to see, and it was so encouraging. And yet, you know, his, his entire time on SmackDown has just been surprisingly a dud. Um, and I thought, you know, he'd go on to um, win the, the the big one, the world title there, but it wasn't the case. It didn't happen. Um, so let's see how things go on on, on Raw. Um, you know, they might be tempted to just keep them as a pair and perhaps even have them dominate the tag team division. Um, but, you know, Owens is such a great talent that he deserves a really big, prominent uh, singles run. 
but it just wasn't happening for him on SmackDown. So yeah. more, um, more can I just say more can I just say you mentioned the tag team division on Raw. Can I just ask what tag team division on Raw? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean there are actually quite a few teams on there. I was, I was just looking at the uh, the roster and you've got uh, Cruz and Titus, if you can call that a team. Um, so the Fashion Police. Yeah, Fashion Police, Bo Dallas and um, um, oh, yes. Kurt Hennig. The, the Miztourage. Curtis Axel. Curtis yeah, Axel. The, uh, the Ascension. All Bray the jobbers. Deleters yeah. of Worlds, Moore's favourite. Oh, no, 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 oh, no. Goodness. So, uh, all the jobber teams are, have been put together on Raw. It seems a bit odd, really, doesn't it? I know we're kind of jumping. Yeah. We've got um, the Revival. We've got, um, you know, uh, Guy's favourite, The Ascension. Yeah, we've got... <laughs> we've got... Um, oh, Heath Slater and Rhino, don't forget. So... They've got about seven or eight teams on the on, on the roster Ch- on Raw. Chad Gable went back as well, didn't he? So American Alpha maybe in the offing when uh, mm. Jesus, what's his name? Jordan. Jason Jordan. Jordan, Jason yeah. Jordan. yeah, when he's back. Um, yeah, and we can yeah. all pretend that that uh, Kurt Angle storyline never happened. Oh no, <laughs> no, he'll st- it'll still be there. They'll just now call Chad, Chad, Chad Gable. Will just be his brother now or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Oh my word. Uh, we, we went off on a bit of a tangent. Anyway, so uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Obviously, yeah. There's hope that that improves. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there, there are some other ones on there. The very. I mean, the, they were so sort of insignificant. They didn't even bother mentioning them really. Uh, Zack Ryder. Uh, really, who cares anymore? You um, Zig- Ziggler drew McIntyre as well. Yeah, that was uh, well. Yeah, Mojo Rawley. Um, oh Christ! <laughs> um, yeah, Dolph Ziggler. Uh, uh, oh, that stupid entrance. It's so backward. It's so backward. Why would he come out to silence and then it starts? Surely he'd come out to his entrance and then it goes to silence if he's protesting. But anyway, I, I digress. So, yeah, Dolph Ziggler brought out Drew McIntyre. Now, actually, I've got to say, I kind of like that. Uh, what about you, Guy? I mean, it's it was at least it was something a bit different. Yeah, I mean, I kind of wasn't expecting um, that way to Drew McIntyre to, to debut. Um, I think it's kind of, it, well, we, we've said it as a, as a negative before that debuting with Dolph Ziggler tends to mean all your momentum's killed and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But Drew McIntyre is coming with, with no momentum. He's obviously a hell of a worker and I think he's still got a lot of potential and stuff like that. So I think yeah. just, just for him to reestablish himself and gain momentum after his injury um, from NXT, it's, it's a good thing for him. And it kind of keeps Ziggler relevant un- It'll probably eventually lead to a feud, but I think Drew McIntyre definitely works better as a heel um, than a face. I think it worked for an, an NXT, but I think on the main crowd it'd probably suffer. So him coming back, I'm not sure if they're going to reignite the chosen one thing, but him coming back now looking about seven foot tall and his new finishing move or his finishing move that he he brought back with him, it 
it's just it looks devastating, and I love that I love their little move together with the zigzag and the the claymore. It, it looked it looked devastating. So I'm quite I'm quite excited to see how that goes because yeah. if if they can build up a chemistry, we know Ziggler, albeit has gone like Bray Bray Wyatt levels of steel and stuff like that, he's definitely still a good worker. And if if Drew McIntyre can hopefully add fresh blood to him rather than the opposite way around, I think. I think that's a good way of getting Drew McIntyre back established, but I think Drew McIntyre is bigger than the tag team division in the future. Mm, uh, and more, yeah, the, it is a. It did look quite sort of spectacular as a finisher together. That it, it was quite something. Um, yeah, the, the good thing I guess is Drew McIntyre isn't fighting Dolph Ziggler because that always that's yeah that's pretty much the death knell for for your momentum. But more, I mean, you you'll have seen Drew McIntyre with ICW. He really, he he really did develop and um, push himself, didn't he? You know, t- moving beyond his his early WWE career, he was released, and then I think he he made a bit of a name for himself. You know that that he was more than just that sort of one dimensional character, and and then the 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 daft jobber thing that he became. Yeah, I mean, he had to um, do some work to um, release himself from the. Uh gimmick shackles of um, the three-man band or whatever they were called um, and uh, become a serious competitor again. And yeah, I mean, in likes of ICW um, and Evolve, you know, he, he certainly did very well to do that and uh, came across as a very talented, capable uh, performer and showed glimpses of that on NXT, obviously had the bicep injury and um has been out for some time, but, uh, you know, he came back looking in perhaps the best shape we've ever seen him, um, almost suspiciously so. Um, but, uh, you know, he, he looked, he looked the business and, uh, you know, if they intend to have these two as a team as well, then, you know, we will have a lot of teams in, in, in the raw, uh, brand, but, uh, yeah, it was good to see him come back to the main roster after all these years. And, uh, you know, I think he'll fit in really well. I think he's learned a lot from his original stint and uh, he's all the better for it. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with him um, in the weeks and months ahead. I bet you're excited to see what they do with Baron Corbin as well uh, and and Mike Canellis or Mike Bennett, as as he was on the <laughs> independent circuit, his own name. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the whole Mike Canellis thing, I think they've, they've handled him terribly. But uh, Baron Corbin... And never been an inspiring performer. I think his his persona, his how he you know projects himself is quite convincing as, as a bad guy. But uh, I, I I don't know. Do you, do you feel that potentially that this this move to Raw could be in like a, almost like a last chance for him to to really ignite what the the potential that they obviously see in him. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, he's somebody who I've always felt was a better fit for Raw anyway. Um, you know, I always have seen and still do see SmackDown as a show which should be more about the in-ring product and more about work rate and workers on Raw being more focused on sports entertainment. And I think that Baron Corbin can, as a heel, um, be quite effective on Raw. I mean, he, he's one of these people that seems to have people genuinely disliking him uh, and there are many heels who are actually quite liked perhaps 
too light, whereas you can't really say that for, for him. And perhaps that's because uh, in real life, he isn't perhaps the most likable of people. Um, you know, if the Breaking Ground documentary is anything to go by, um, he's quite full of himself. Um, and that, that certainly comes across you know, on TV. Maybe he's just a very convincing character, but that, that's certainly the way it comes across. But I, th- I think as a heel, um, you know, there's certainly potential there for him to um, perhaps stick out a little bit more than he did um, over on, on SmackDown, where uh, unfortunately, um, you know, he, he was best known for his belly button. So um, let, let's just see. But I, I've, I've got high hopes for him. And and Guy, um, slightly odd in the way that they did it almost, but Bobby Roode uh, is now on Raw. I've got to say, he looked genuinely, he looked genuinely, genuinely delighted uh, to be on Monday Night Raw. I, I'm guessing that's you know for him on the on a personal and professional level was something that he always wanted to do. So uh, nice for that, but. I again, it's one of them like like the Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn thing. It, it gives me hope that they'll be booked better on Raw. I'm I'm kind of hopeful. I, am I am I wrong to have this hope that that perhaps on Raw they might actually kind of realise that uh, Bobby Roode is this you know the um you know the the fresh faced yeah well <laughs> as this sort of vanilla version of. Um, Baby face version, white meat baby face version of of uh, what they call it. Uh, Ric Flair it is is really not the thing for him, and, and we'll start to see the heel NXT character of Bobby Roode. Um, I bloody hope so. Um, cause I think everyone was really really excited when he got called up from NXT and stuff like that, and. Obviously, when he came up as a face, people I think most people could see why because he was very popular with his entrance and stuff like that. But it's it's, it's just gone on too long, and there's been too many vanilla feuds and matches and stuff like that. Whereas when he when he was in NXT with his heel gimmick or his cocky heel gimmick, I should say, he just he was just so natural, and it just seemed to uplift him. And it seemed to connect with the crowd so much more. But as um, as more said, I think that I think more of the casual fans would tend to go to crowds for Raw and stuff like that. So maybe maybe Bobby Roode can kind of connect a bit more. But I think he's definitely a better heel. I think we even saw that with TNA. He he was a good babyface in a, in a tag team with James Storm and stuff like that. But he didn't really come into his own till um, Be Your Money broke up, was he? And then he became the corporate figure in any kind of established it from there so i've always i've always thought he's been a a better heel and i think on raw um there is definitely a gap for that now especially with miz going the other way um yeah i've got to say i I, unless he's actually wrestling i don't want to see bobby Roode uh skipping and bouncing around in the robe all the time yeah you know like he wears that robe all the time you know let's get him back in the shirt tie the custom-made suit Mm. um you know I, I want that whole, yeah, that whole obnoxious heel. It Absolutely. just, he is so damn good at it. Yeah. And, you know, we don't expect it to be main event, but for mid card, that, you know, that's going to pull in attention. It's going to pull in crowds. 
thing he uh, probably it's... could have main evented on SmackDown. That's the that's probably the worst thing. As a heel, he probably could have main evented SmackDown. Not not Raw now with all the Brock and stuff like that. But um, mm. he he had he had main event potential coming off NXT with his heel with his heel gimmick and stuff like that. But now, as you say, I think he is definitely mid mid card. But uh, say a uh, heel. Um, Bobby Roode, I think that could combine well with a Seth Rollins face, for example. I think that I think that definitely works. Whereas now you've kind of got Seth Rollins, um, Finn Balor, all they're probably the two established mid carders, and then you've got Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, whatever they're going to do with them, um, they're still popular. I think Bobby Roode, albeit he will be popular as a heel, but you can get people hating him. So I think there's definitely a gap on Raw for for the best version of Bobby Roode. Yeah, uh, let's just hope. Let's just hope we might actually see it. I might realise it and just do Hopefully. it. Hopefully. <laughs> uh, one last move that I wanted to come to you for more is um, Natalia moving across to Raw. Now, normally, I guess that wouldn't be too much to talk about, but I think it's fair to say that uh, the WWE understandably sees Natalia as a safe pair of hands. I mean, she's worked with so many over the years. You know, she did a lot of work with uh, with Charlotte in her early days uh, as she was developing in NXT. And obviously, a lot of the women wrestler, wrestlers have an awful lot of uh, time and respect for Natalia. So her moving across and the on-screen uh, pairing almost with, with Ronda Rousey, um, my guess is obviously... Before long, we're going to see this uh, d- develop into a feud, and this will be Ronda Rousey's first actual one-on-one feud. And you know, do you, do you see this happening? And do you think, like myself, that this is, you know, with the WWE looking at her as a safe pair of hands for for Ronda Rousey to, you know, dip her toes into the water? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's clearly that uh, they want somebody there to. Um able to guide, uh, mentor, train, coach Rousey um, when she does go on the road and certainly turns up on Monday nights. And, uh, you know, that, that that's a good individual as any. Obviously, she's been in the company for a decade and more and uh, knows the company, knows the business, has lived, grown up and been part of the business since childhood. So, um, as good a person as any, and not only for Rousey, but even some of the others um, are on that roster as well. Um, you know, the likes of uh, Sarah Logan and uh, Liv Morgan, obviously uh, relative newcomers to the business. Um, so, you know, being around likes of them um, can also benefit them and help them as well. So, no, it, it's a good move um, for them and. Uh, I don't think um, you know she's going to be a heavily pushed person, other than perhaps that, that kind of inevitable program with uh, Ronda Rousey just to uh, ultimately put her over. And um, no, that that that's something that um, is, is a wise and sensible move. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you mentioned in there, yeah, the uh, the right squad moved across to, to Raw, uh, switched places with Absolution. Um, I, I know that's not, an awful lot. To, it's not really a big talking point. Um, what were your thoughts? Then we move things across to SmackDown. Then uh, actually, be, sorry, before we get into that, I should ask. Um, overall, then, uh, how, how do you think um, the Raw has come out of this in terms of, like the women's division, the tag team division on the on the the male side of it? You know, sort of the mid card, upper card. Do you think Raw has? Has sort of improved from this, or there's been is the too much of a switch around? Do you think? Um, I'd argue this been um, well. SmackDown's certainly come off the better. Um, most of the people that have ended up on Raw are the dross from SmackDown. Who, you know, as soon as you see him, you want to just hit the fast forward button. Um, so the Raw roster isn't um, in the better place now than it was at the start of the week prior to the shake-up. Um, that, that goes without saying. Uh, I don't think anybody could argue that Raw came out the better. Um, but for me, it was more about balancing things up and playing to the strengths of the respective shows. Um, there are people who I think will be a better fit on Raw um, who perhaps are more stronger when it comes to sports entertainment than they are uh, when it comes to to um, wrestling in, in the square circle. So that's why I think that the likes of Jinder Mahal and uh, Baron Corbin are a better fit for Raw. And, um, you know, I think they could potentially be a bit more effective there. And, um, you know, there's still, you know, as um, Guy mentioned earlier, you know, a good amount of talent on, on this roster. And um, don't forget that the Cruiserweights will also be um, taking part. Um, on Monday Night Raw as well, and uh, that roster continues to Im- improve and get better, and uh, you know that that's starting to really become quite an ex- exciting brand in its own right. So um, I, I think Raw will be fine, uh, but it was a good way to perhaps balance things up because it certainly felt lopsided in terms of the balance of talent that was over, that was interesting, engaging, exciting. Um, there was just too much Deadwood on, on, on the SmackDown side, and um, I'm fine with a lot of that moving over to Raw. Uh, and Guy, what about yourself? Do you, do you feel um, Raw has, is perhaps weaker overall, but 
like Mo said there, you know, is it's more balanced now. And then do you feel that is there anything in there that you're kind of really looking forward to in terms of like the, the tag team or the women's or the men's division? Um, I'm not sure about weaker. Um, it, it all depends on how they fix the mess of the characters that were on SmackDown. For example, obviously losing Samoa Joe is like huge um, for Raw. But we've seen what the best version of Kevin Owens is. The best version of Kevin Owens is is like the best heel in the company, face of the company stuff, isn't it? So if if Raw can fix the problems that people had on SmackDown, I think Raw may have got a very good deal. I mean, we were just talking about Bobby Roode as well. Um, so I think Raw, I think it's stayed kind of as it is, really. And but as as uh, as Mo said, it did get quite a bit of Deadwood that we're probably not going to see um, on TV. Um, so yeah, it, it's a bit of a weird one. I think they've just tried to kind of tidy up SmackDown and stick them on Raw, where they can probably be used for squash matches and stuff like that. But I think I think Raw is it's it's stayed where it is, but it has some very interesting things coming up. I think the tag team division after. Well, it, it's it, this is a big revamp for the Raw Tag Team Division, so I think that'll be interesting to see where it goes, um, especially with the bar um, going to SmackDown because they were kind of controlling everything. Um, so that'll be interesting, and I think the mil, I think the mid card will be more. I think the mid card will be interesting on Raw now because I think there's quite a bit of talent on there. Whereas the main event, we know we know what that's going to be for a while. It's going to be Reigns versus Brock till. Well, this uh, this Saudi thing, then probably SummerSlam will get something new, won't we? So yeah, I think the mid cards shaping up to be very good on Raw. Um, but I think I think for both, I know we'll talk about SmackDown more more uh, independently. But yeah, I think both shows have kind of balanced quite well, to be fair. Yeah, and that's I I guess that's the fair assessment. Yeah, there's there's more there for the mid card. Now it's kind of buffed out a bit more, and the tech, the tag team division has a chance to almost restart itself. And let's let I I will I'm prepared to open my mind and see what they do and how they go with some of this. So I mean, you mentioned SmackDown, there, guy. I mean, let's get into it then. SmackDown. Um, and what the hell? Why not? We'll start with the tag team division because you've been talking about that. Um, now. SmackDown's gone from only effectively having three teams, really speaking. You know, we were having the New Day versus uh, the Usos. I mean, God, we, they had some great, great matches, but they had too many matches. And, and then we've had the Bludgeon come into it. But then because it's the Usos and the New Day involved, it's it kind of feels the same again and again and again. You know, it's it's, it's just been so recycled. Now suddenly... The tag team division on SmackDown is like, wow, you know, this this really could get so so interesting. Now we've got uh, Gallows and Anderson come across, the bars come across. So I mean, uh, do you, do you think uh, th- this could be a real feature of SmackDown now, tag team wrestling and and sanity in there as well? Yeah, well, I think it has to be to a certain degree, doesn't it? Um, Cesaro and Shame have something. I, I think I I think I gave Usos Team of the Year on the end of the year awards, but I think you both give uh, give them Tag Team of the Year. So now we've got the best two tag teams in the company 
on the same show, and they've only had the one match at Survivor Series, if I remember correctly. So I think that'll be interesting to watch. Um, but for me, for me, Andy, the most fun I'm I'm wanting to see is Sanity versus the uh, Bludgeon Brothers. That is going to be some mad shit. Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jesus, Killian Dane and Luke Harper, it's just going to be see who can try and like suicide themselves more. It, it, it's going to be bloody brilliant. But um, if we talk about Sanity for a sec, I think the best thing about them, obviously they're a well, four-person group, three-man group. I think they can add to singles events as well. Um, because obviously Eric, Eric Young's an experienced worker, and I think we've seen that um, the higher-ups seem to like Killian Dane as well. Obviously he got his... Yeah, he's um, got big potential. He got his, I think he got his WrestleMania debut the previous wrestle, not not the one that was a couple of weeks ago, the one before, didn't he? Mm. So I think they've, I think they've got some sort of hopes for him. So I think if they want like a monster, uh, well, yes, he is. You, gets, yeah, yeah, yeah. He has that. He, he does have that unique look and and you know amazing agility and, and speed for for a man of his size. So it's he's certainly captivating. And more, I, I've got to say the. The only disappointment with Sanity coming up was the way that it was announced. You know, just a graphic on-screen Sanity coming. Um, I really think, feel like they kind of missed a bit of an opportunity there to, as a surprise, to to debut them. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I can think of is that um, may, maybe they felt, um, you know, they had, you know, perhaps a couple of um, surprise appearances on Raw. And they had, you know, a couple more lined up for this SmackDown show. So having them turn up, um, even though that that's the idea, obviously, of of the show to to some surprises where you know um, people just turn up. Um, you know, perhaps they felt that it might have been overkill, or, or the other thing might be that it was a late decision. They may have decided. Um, maybe even the same day of SmackDown taping, okay, let's call them up. Maybe they were umming and ahhing about whether to bring them up or not. Um, but, you know, they have made a decision and, uh, I've no doubt we will see them in the flesh next week. And, uh, it'll be interesting to see, um, how they are, um, booked, um, whether they'll be presented as faces or heels. Um, but the only slightly disappointing thing appears to be that, Nikki Cross isn't coming up with um, uh, with the three of them, so that that that's the only real downside. But uh, let, let's see what they do with them. And, uh, you know, it certainly felt though on, on NXT that um, their run was coming to an end there um, because they weren't being booked in the way they were last for much of 2017. So um, you know that that's perhaps a telltale sign that. When you know prominent stars on NXT appear to be jobbed out or phased out to an extent, it's normally a sign that they are about to be called up to the main roster. Yeah, uh, just on the the tag team thing then on SmackDown, we've said there you know that they've really beefed up the tag team division on SmackDown. Now it looks for me as a long term fan of tag team wrestling, uh, you know I go back to likes of Demolition and the Hart Foundation. Uh, the Rockers, Legion of Doom, so many, you know, great teams, classic teams. And it was always, you know, I, I, I always loved the tag team division. I just love tag team wrestling. So 
I'm personally really happy to see SmackDown really beefing up a proper tag team division. What on earth is is going on with this whole thing with with the Raw tag team titles then? Because it was supposed to be the bar facing the winner of this little mini tournament on Raw at this um, greatest Royal Rumble event. Yet the following night on SmackDown, we get the bar you know, announcing that they're moving to SmackDown. I mean, it, it just I find this really sort of um, bizarre booking. I've got to say, it's really, really bizarre. Yeah, I think we had something similar, um, if not last year, then perhaps the year before, whereby um, a champion came over from the other brand and then went back once or twice um, to defend and then ultimately dropped the title. can't remember who it was. It might have been Kevin Owens, possibly. Um, so we've probably got the same type of situation now. Um, no, I think there was something about them defending the titles against um, what are they call guy, the leader of worlds, the deleter of worlds. Delete. Oh, is that official? Better. Please tell I me that's that, not I official. I think it's official. Oh, good <laughs> grief! <laughs> I love it. People get paid to make up stuff like this. Uh, right, I could so do it for free. right up there with the Iceman as a. P- Potential name for for Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> oh goodness, Iceman three sixteen. Um, yeah, no, it looks like they're going to be defending the titles at um, the Greatest Royal Rumble, which is just a stupid name for a show. Um, and almost certainly they'll drop the belts there, and then um, they can permanently be the, part the of. Technically, uh, don't have the titles more. <laughs> Nicholas, yeah. uh, well, Nicholas dropped it, didn't he? Yeah, they'll be fighting for the titles. Oh, and then the tag team division can be deleted yes, and course. made obsolete. Yeah, that's right. Um, so they are vacant, um, but yeah, it wouldn't make really any sense for them to go and have the bar become the champions. Unless, they're really, unless that. they're really pushing the tag team division. <laughs> on <Smackdown>. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, they, they might just pull a swerve and have them win the titles only to then appear on the next Raw um, two, three, or I think it's two or three nights later and um, then drop the belts and mm. then they move for sure. So, so something like that will happen, but one thing's for certain is they won't be the Raw Tag Team Champions um, for more than a couple of weeks if they do pick up the belts at yeah. the uh, Raw Rumble event. At the, yeah, at the big paycheck event or whatever they're calling it. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I get the impression it was booked by somebody on the fly who had never actually watched the show before in their life. But uh, hey-ho. Um, we mentioned it previously. Uh, Jeff Hardy's made the move across to SmackDown. Um I, you know, I, I'm I'm not the biggest fan. A guy mentioned it earlier. More uh, your thoughts on Jeff Hardy moving to SmackDown? Yeah, I'm fine with it. I mean, you know, Hardy with the right opponent can have a very good match. Um, you know, he's certainly past his prime, but not massively so. Um, you know, he's in his I think he's in his late thirties now. May have just turned forty. Um, Athletically, um, can still go. And, uh, one thing is very clear. He's still one of the more popular 
members of the WWE roster um, and his reaction when he beat um, was who, who was it for the United States Championship on Raw? Jinder Mahal. See, he, he, he's oh, that yes. memorable. You've forgotten yeah. about him already. Dear, oh dear. Yeah, he made a clearly made an impression. Uh, yeah, I mean that that, that was um, a victory that was very well received, and uh, you know he's coming over to SmackDown now as um, the holder of that belt that was obviously on SmackDown previously, and. You know, he'll probably drop it to uh, one of the younger talents um, in due course. But uh, no, I'm, I'm fine for him to be on on the, on the show. And he is a star. He's a well-known name, has been a star in the company for the best part of 20 years now. So, you know, he um, is one of those few individuals that um, does have a genuine star you know, um, quality. So I, I'm fine with him being on, over on SmackDown. And, it can't be much worse than being in the shadow of um, that person I won't name over on the raw side. <laughs> yeah, we can just laugh for the next five, ten minutes. There's a promo, guys. There's a promo. Um, guy, I, I've got to be, I've got to say, and I've got to be honest about this, I, I was somewhat surprised Asuka turned up on SmackDown, kind of out of the blue. Um uh, I know that the, the Raw Women's Division's kind of changing shape in 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 the way that obviously you've seen Ronda Rousey becoming prominent. That the title was kind of all about all about mm-hmm. uh, Bliss and and Nia Jax. So I, I guess the, the the Women's SmackDown division really did need a good freshening up. Uh, I know that the belt is on Carmella for the time being. Um, which yeah, I can't see, I can't see that lasting too long, especially going by the promo on Tuesday night. But, um, Asuka moving across, you, you, you think that, uh, this could really sort of help push and broaden that, uh, that SmackDown women's division? I'm not going to lie, Andy. I thought Asuka was already on SmackDown because she decided to fight Charlotte. I thought she just kind of swapped in. <laughs> but if it's made official now, so be it. Um, mm. yeah. It was kind of, or for me, it didn't really feel like a, a, a like a trade, like a big moment kind of thing. Because, as I said, I, th- I thought she was kind of technically already on SmackDown or kind of doing the John Cena free agent shit. Um, but no, I think I think she's I think she's a good fit on SmackDown. Um, it'd be interesting to see how the dynamic with her and Charlotte changes once I imagine Charlotte gets the title back. Um, because you can't have, we can't have Carmella as the champion for that long, especially with the amount of talent on that roster. It's not like it was um, back in the day where literally you had Becky Lynch, who was the best worker, and then there was kind of developing talent and pretty boring all the old guard, really. So now now you've got the two best women workers in the division, Becky Lynch, who's always over. Um, they seem to really like Naomi. For, I'm, I'm not sure why, but they seem to really like her. Um, for her so entrance. Pretty much. Yeah. And, um, there's, and there's, I guess there's still Tamina. Oh, God, she's still a thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, she can walk to the ring. Just about. But yeah, it's. Uh, I don't think Cam- I don't think Carmella has... Has currently the ability to carry to carry a match with uh, either of them, really. So, I think she needs to drop the title and do a bit more developing. It's not like an Alexa Bliss situation where she's come on leaps and bounds. If anything, that money in the bank tight, that money in the bank briefcase, 
it it just worsened her as a character, and I think you mentioned it on the uh, on the WrestleMania review weekend thing last week, Andy. She's getting more annoying by the week. <laughs> yes, yeah. Initially, actually, she really sort of did did well with it the early weeks. Yeah. Uh, I think they just left it too long. Absolutely. It went still, uh, and yeah, uh, I'm not sure it, what it they can like really very, do. It feels like a very temporary thing now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Alexa Bliss, what she's done with herself, the way that she's really sort of reinvented herself and developed herself, deserves enormous credit. I think Carmella's kind of missed missed the ball on that one and, and missed missed the opportunity to perhaps do the same. Or, or maybe she'll surprise us. But uh, yeah, so hopefully Asuka is a positive sign of of things sort of switching up a bit. Um, Morse, we've it's always been mentioned. Some more joys. He's a big list. He is a big loss for Raw. Um, his return was well received. Um, he, he just gives great heel promos. And and I, I've got to say he's one that I'm looking forward to him being in the mix there. You know, he, he basically came out there and stated his intentions, put a few names out there, and it, it, that immediately gets the fans excited. And and for me, I I think this is a real potentially one of the biggest gains for SmackDown and one of the biggest losses for Raw. I mean, do you think do you think like Guy, it's just vital that he stays uh, he stays healthy? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, a massive addition and one of the best uh, moves from those two days and those two shows. Um, you know, Joe is just such a supremely talented worker and has been for such a long time. Um, but as a character also is, um, certainly one of the more, uh, engaging, interesting ones. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm surprised in a way that they did decide to move him, but, you know, the, the matches that now open up by him moving across are just mouth-watering. You know, you've got AJ, you've got Daniel Bryan, um, you know, you've got... Um, oh, Randy Orton as well. Don't forget you mentioned Randy Orton. <laughs> <laughs> Your yeah, favorite. Randy Orton as well. Oh, goodness. Um, oh, God, that sucks so much. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Even um, Samoa Joe couldn't make him interesting. Yeah. And, and I know that they're both heels, but, um, you know, Joe Nakamura as well. Um, no, Nakamura for me is past his prime now, but, uh, you know, he's perhaps still got, um, a few really great performances in him. And if anyone could get a great performance out of him, it's Joe. So, you know, there's a lot to be looking forward to with Joe around. And as you say, guy, um, Andy, if, if he stays fit and healthy, um, then you know he, he can be a major asset to SmackDown and um, arguably make it the show to watch on a weekly basis. And uh, perhaps we won't be uh, getting through the show as quickly as we have been over the last six, nine, maybe twelve months. Yeah, well, let, let's certainly hope so. Um, and another one for you to, to comment on then: the return of Big Cass from injury and turning up on SmackDown as opposed to Raw, uh, and all. The, Going back, he's been in a relationship with Carm with Carmella um, off screen, so I guess it makes sense getting them two together. Um, and and this is like the second chance for him, um, a chance for him to to really sort of make a difference. Uh, and clearly, the way that he's come in against uh, Daniel Bryan, I, I like the promo backstage. He, I thought he delivered his lines well on that. 
um, they clearly do have high hopes for him, uh, no pun intended. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they um, certainly seem to be uh, giving him a big push or were just about to start giving him a big push before he got injured. And the timing of that injury was very unfortunate for him. Um, but I think they'll look to carry on from where they left off with him. They have got high hopes. They have got high expectations. They want to do things with him. Um, you know, as we've talked about before, Vince likes big guys and uh, you don't get much bigger than big cast. So, you know, he, he will be another prominent performer, I think, this year on SmackDown. Um, at the very least, I would expect him to eventually pick up the United States Championship um, in the next few months. And then who knows where they go with him from there. But, um, you know, I certainly think between now and WrestleMania, you'll probably have some involvement in the title picture. Maybe not immediately. Uh, and by title picture, I'm talking about, obviously, the uh, WWE Championship currently held by AJ Styles. But uh, I, I would expect that to happen, um, certainly before WrestleMania rolls around. And, uh, you know, as a heel as well, it would be good to see, you know, how he fares on the dark side and, whether as a performer and the worker and um, as a character, he's more effective there than he is as a babyface. Uh, and Guy, we're another NXT call-up, Andrade Cien Almas with Zelina Vega. Uh, they've worked so well together, and, um, and Almas really came into his own over the last um, what, nine, 12 months. Uh, in NXT, uh, obviously got the title. It got well received in the end. Um, I, I, and obviously there's those fantastic matches he's had um, in, in recent memory as well, with the, that one with Johnny Gargano, just something spectacular. Um, do you, you think he's going to be pushed to the top in, in SmackDown or, or do you fear that he maybe will see him just dropped into the mid card and, and that's probably where he'll end up staying. Um, logically, um, this is like fan logic where it probably makes sense and stuff. He is definitely a main eventer on that show. Um, as we, as we keep saying, um, some more Joe coming over, He's probably the best heel. Well, for me, he's the best heel in the company. But SmackDown was lacking heels properly bad. Um, but now they've got Nakamura, they've got uh, Samoa Joe, and adding um, Cian Almas. I mean, you've got three very good heels there. I mean, Nakamura, as Mo said, Nakamura's probably past his prime, but it'll be sure as hell intriguing to see how he goes as a heel. But Cian Almas, he was the best. He was one of the best things on NXT um, before. Uh, Champer and Gargano kicked off. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think he should be a main event talent because I mean, just think of the matches he could have with AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan. It's basically that it's the same setup as his match with Gargano. It's bloody brilliant. Um, but this is SmackDown we're talking about, Andy, isn't it? That is my fear. Yeah, this is SmackDown we're talking about, and we won't name shame in this uh, and then pick on pick no, on individuals, no. but um, yeah, there, there are some prominent names in that creative uh, um, control region of of SmackDown who are known, who are developing um, a reputation that's not um, not too good, uh, and I guess we we could say really over the, the last sort of 
six to nine months, it's a reputation well earned with how poorly uh, SmackDown has become and oh, and yes. how badly they've they've uh, handled some really well established characters uh, and in ring performers. So yeah, that I think it's. I mean, I'll bring you in on this more. I mean, you, you think it's it's um, a genuine and rational fear of what what uh, what they might do with with a, a talent like Almas coming into SmackDown? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, you just have to look at the evidence. Go back over the last couple of years. Look at the guys and girls that were brought up from NXT, um, and are they? bigger stars or as big stars or do they come across as big or bigger stars now than they did when they were on NXT? The answer is that in most instances they come across as lesser stars. Um, you know, you can look at Asuka, um, Bobby Roode, Nakamura, um, and come up with a whole bunch of other names from the last couple of years. Yeah, the Revival has, you know, I know it's a tag team, but there's another one. Yeah, uh, no, um, no, that's not SmackDown, but perhaps the only name that leaps out at me is somebody who came up from NXT who now is a bigger star or comes across as a bigger star is Elias. Oh yes, and Alexa <laughs> Bliss. Yes, more. Oh, yeah. that's a good show. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and yeah, Alexa as well. Though I mean, she was building up a great head of steam um, as the kind of. Um, as uh, a up and coming star on, on yeah on i think I, I think well. yeah those I, are perhaps I, the only two yeah i was going to say i think the difference is is though you mentioned like you know like you've mentioned there elias and then there's alexa blisses in nxt they, they weren't the like prominent major stars in nxt so there wasn't that kind of excitement factor was there you know that expectation level from fans you know all the all the main eventers that have stepped up Finn Balor, shinsuke nakamura and as you meant all these others, you know, Bobby Roode, as they've moved up, you know, they've gone to the top of the card, won the title, moved up to the main roster, and it's really not gone how we'd expect it, has it? No, that's right. And this is part of the issue that SmackDown, sorry, NXT has, is that um, um, the bulk of the NXT audience um, does pay uh, passing attention to the indies. Um, and at the least, tries to have an idea about who's hot and who's not on the independent scene. So that's why when talents like Ricochet then sign up to NXT and debut on the roster, um, they are typically better received than the homegrown talent. Um, you know, bear, bear in mind, NXT isn't just there as a finishing school for talents that are coming from the independents to then step up to the main roster. It's also um, linked to the performance center at which WWE recruits lots of people that have got no real experience of pro wrestling and um, identify them from all walks of life and amateur wrestling, uh, boxing, um, you know, professional sports and um, like Sabatelli, for example, who's kind of a lowly tag team star. You know, he, he was, profiled on breaking ground and he's uh, I think formerly of the NFL um, and also um, you know, with some of the uh, female athletes as well coming in um, again they look to recruit um, and scour um, the US and abroad uh, for people that they think could, could potentially become 
big stars. So you know, they, they um, are increasingly looking to push that, and uh, you know, those, those talents are perhaps at a disadvantage. And I'm, I'm not sure entirely if Elias and Alexa are completely homegrown in terms of performance center on onto NXT and then onto the main roster, but uh, they, they certainly didn't come into um, NXT with any kind of real name or track record on the independence. So if they did work independence, it would have been um, for only a short while uh, before they um, you know, stepped up into NXT and that, that's where they've made their names as opposed to the likes of Finn Balor, Nakamura and others who um, you know were very, very well established elsewhere over a number of years before eventually arriving so uh that that's um uh, something that i think is a personal mission for triple h um but uh yeah that that that's um perhaps part of the reason why um you know, they have struggled with bringing people up from nxt onto the main roster and still presenting them and portraying them as um, a big deal or as huge stars and uh more often than not when they are, they are brought up, um, they come across as just another talent and get lost in the shuffle. And that's why the concerns for Almas are, are very well founded. Mm. Uh, and, and Guy, then, just final points then. You, you, you think uh, SmackDown's done well here? You think in all areas or any? And obviously, we've spoken the tag team division has really been beefed up, but do you feel like SmackDown has really sort of improved its roster on on all fronts yeah i think i think smackdown's the just it's got better it it, it really needed to get better it needed to weed out the uh the filler and get some stars in and i think that's what it's done i think it's got young stars as well um i think big Cass, as you said earlier he's um got quite a lot of potential and i think they are going to push him to the moon as well um the women's division's gonna be interesting because I think there's the the main two now with Asuka and Charlotte. I think people probably want to see their match from WrestleMania again, but maybe get a, get a bit more time and stuff like that. So that'll be interesting. I think the only the only worry for me about the women's division is that there's probably only Becky Lynch off the top of my head who can probably hang with them two. Um, so maybe maybe we'll see like what we saw with the tag team division before the draft, where it's like um, where it was like the Usos knew the Bludgeon Brothers. Um, so hopefully the women's division has a bit more development stuff like that. I think I think Absolution may may develop well on SmackDown. I think that's a good move. I think I said that before we started recording. I think that'll be a good move. It kind of reunites them with Paige, and I think um, they have a spot now as 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 two of the main heels. And I think. Unfortunately, they got sent off from Raw with uh, a battering from uh, Ronda Rousey. Um, but that, that'll be soon forgotten. So let's see. I'm quite interested to see what they do with Absolution. But yeah, I think they've, I think they've fixed quite a lot of stuff really, and I think they've kind of given enough scope for, uh, for the mid card and main event scene because you've got now you've got quite a few groups who can probably do tag team and um, singles competition. I think New Day, if New Day wants to develop, they could probably move into the single singles match market as well. Um, as I said earlier, Sanity, um, Cesaro and Sheamus, they've been around long enough to 
maybe start talking about splitting them up because we are talking about a lot of tag teams now on SmackDown, aren't we? And um, Cesaro and Sheamus, that is their two mint. Well, Sheamus is probably a bit underrated worker for me, but Cesaro, I think people have been wanting him to get a, a big push for a while, but let's see how it goes. I'm not, I'm not wanting them to split up, but I think there is potential there for SmackDown to do what they want, really. Um, but yeah, just, just got to get over the concerns we we talked about earlier. Um, and SmackDown yeah. could possibly sh- overshadow Raw like it has, like it did originally. Yeah, the, yeah, there are some big concerns there. Uh, Moz, do you, do you feel like SmackDown's really sort of benefit here that it, this this has improved the you know the the main event level, the the mid card level, the, the the tag teams, and uh, potent, there's a potential there. Like uh, Guy mentioned, that uh, the, the the women's division just becomes kind of um, you know relentless matches between uh, a few individuals over and over again. Yeah, I mean, well, if you think back to when um, SmackDown had its own uh, women's division, um, I think there was only seven women on that female roster. Now the numbers are about 12 or 13, so there's certainly more depth than there used to be. And um, on SmackDown, you know, you've got some big hitters in Asuka, Becky Lynch, um Charlotte and you can perhaps throw Naomi into that mix having been the former uh, Smackdown Women's Champion um, but uh, yeah there, there's certainly as I mentioned earlier um, a benefit for Smackdown from the shake up and uh, they've lost a lot of the dross and uh, gained some uh, better talents and uh, there, there's a heck of a lot to look forward to this year I mean Danny Bryan against The Miz, um, just for the promos alone, should be uh, very exciting. Um, as you mentioned earlier, arguably the two best tag teams in the whole promotion now on the SmackDown brand. Um, Samoa Joe adds a lot in terms of potential matches that he can have, and certainly as a character is um, uh, one, of, one of the strongest ones. So all things considered, I, I think that SmackDown going forward for the remainder of the year could be um, possibly the, the best TV show. Um, whereas for the best part of 12 months, it's been arguably the worst TV show from the WWE. So um, that could be quite a turnaround. And, uh, you know, I, I applaud the WWE because, you know, they, they've always um, given Raw um, that kind of prestige and had it sit at a higher level to SmackDown, whereas now I think you can certainly make the case that they're much more on a level footing. And uh, no, I'm happy. I'm happy about that. I, I think that SmackDown um, could be quite an exciting um, show um, over the coming weeks and months ahead. So, ju- just finally, then, if if you had to pick a winner from this uh, Superstar Shake-Up, would it be Raw or SmackDown then? SmackDown, easily. And Guy, same question? SmackDown, just for some more Joe alone. Never mind the other stuff. <laughs> yeah. So there's a full house. So there you go, folks. That that wraps up this uh, episode of the Pro Wrestling Index right here on the Anfield Index podcast channel. Uh, my thanks, of course, to, uh, to Mochatra and to Guy Drinkle for joining me, as always. And our thanks to each and every one of you for 
tuning in, for downloading and listening to this podcast. We really, really do appreciate you, every single one of you, every single week. And and if you want to be involved uh, with it, you want to be involved as part of this show, um, not literally, <laughs> you know, you, anything you want to send to us, um, any suggestions, your thoughts on the Superstar Shake-Up or anything else whatsoever, uh, at PW underscore index is handle so do do not be shy do get in contact with us um but anyway until the next time this has been a pro wrestling index i am Addy wills and it's bye bye now powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs>